everybody. Do you want to just stand? You know, we've just been through a, a, a really powerful time of worship, and I think it'd be good and had the notices and kids have gone out. If we just come before God and just still our hearts before him and just invite the Holy Spirit right now to come in. So if you want to raise your hands, whatever you want to do, let's just, in your hearts, and just speak out to God. So not a front-led prayer, but just speak out to God. Just speak to us, Lord. Just this, in this next half hour, Holy Spirit, I just pray that lives will be transformed. We just open our hearts to you right now. We just cry out to you and we just say we're hungry for you, Lord. We're, we're hungry, Lord, for you to speak to us, Lord. We're hungry to know more of you. We're hungry to be changed. We want to be changed. We want to come closer to you. We want more of you. We're just a hungry people. Amen. Amen. Okay, take your seat. Do you know, it'd be really good if you just introduced yourself to the person next to you. I don't know if you know them or not, you know. Um, Okay, okay. It was... All right, it was meant to be a quick introduction, not a, not a whole sharing of a life story, but never mind. <laughs> um, okay, okay. I want, I want you to know who you sat with, because you're going to be, a couple of times I just want you to interact with them, so obviously now you know a bit more about them, hopefully. Um, so as, as, as um, Daniel said, my name's Philippa, uh, and some of you know me, some of you don't know me, so let me tell you a little bit about myself. So, well, I'm one of about 100 teachers at a high school in Bolton, one of 14 maths teachers, and one of about 200 residents in a particular street in Presswich. In fact, I'm one of the 34,500 residents of Presswich. Also, I'm one of the 2.5 million residents of Greater Manchester. I'm one of the 700 or so members of this church. I'm part of the leadership team. I'm a sister. I'm a mother. I'm actually a mother-in-law as well. <laughs> I'm a wife to my husband, obviously, is he? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and I'm me. I'm Philippa Emmett, daughter and much-loved child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's who I am first and foremost. I'm not one of a mass group of teachers, residents. I'm me, and I'm unique, and I'm special in the eyes of God. And, and that's what I want to speak to us about today. You know, Rian spoke to us last week, and it was one of those moments when you thought, that's the word that already God had given to me, and she took it. <laughs> and I regretted when offered two slots not to have taken the first slot. But... <laughs> But, again, it just confirms, you know, that's obviously something that God wants to, to talk to us about and then obviously come to it um, from a different angle or whatever. But it's interesting that 
very, you know, we never talked about it, but there was, the two words went very much together. You see, all of us can see ourselves being very much part of a crowd, just someone's wife, just someone's child. You feel an insignificant player in the game of life. I mean, if you hadn't have turned up this morning, would anybody have noticed? Would the worship have been any different? If you didn't go to work, would the whole place grind to a halt? <laughs> Possibly, yes. <laughs> but this morning, what I really want to emphasize, I want us to see that we are all significant and extremely unique people. That each one of us carries a unique and specific DNA that is so very beautiful and so very special. And because of this, we aren't just one of a crowd, one of many. We are, and you are, the apple of your father's eye. You know, I, Dave and I like... Um, it's probably an age thing, but we actually like watching um, Strictly Come Dancing. And it used to be Bruce Forsyth um, introduced that. And, you know, I love Bruce Forsyth. Um, but he would always say to the couple who was, who was on the way out, you know, you are one of my, you are my favourite. He wouldn't say you're one of my favourites. He would say you are my favourites and have a little giggle or whatever. But, you know, God says to you this morning, you are my favourite. You need to receive that word, that you are his favourite. The person next to you is his favourite too, but you are his favourite. And so because you're his favourite, he's marked out for you a very special and unique life plan. There's something for you to walk into. You have a journey to go on. You have a race to run. There are things to do that are specifically and only for you to do. And it's only you with your unique calling that can do them. You see, I love my church family. If anybody's ever heard me speak before, do you know, I'd, I'd probably go on because I do love my church family. I love doing life with everybody. I love helping to build the house here. I love serving God with, with one another. I love just being with my family and I'd do anything for my church family. But this morning, I don't want to preach about my family. I want to preach to you. I want, and I hope, you know, that you get that. It's not devaluing building together but this morning I want it specifically be for you as a unique person I don't want to focus I want to focus on you and me as individuals this morning I do know and I'm so sometimes you're a bit am I clear about what God wants to say but I do know and so feel so clear that God wants to show you afresh his love for you and the significance of your life in his plans so in some ways I'd love it if you unselfishly forgot about the person next to you um, and just received this word 100% for you so tell them tell the person next to you it's all about me today <laughs> okay. You see, God loves you. He is 100% for you. Okay? He is for the person next to you, but He is for you. He's 100% committed to you, and He has amazing things ahead for you. Hebrews 12, verse. Well, starting at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, For the joy set before him, he endured this cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now this is a race that we are running together. So don't get me wrong, it would be a funny race if there was nobody else in it. You know, there are others running this race with us. But within this race, I believe we all have our own race to run. We have our own journey to go on. It's the same prize at the end. There's no competition whatsoever. So it's not quite your bog standard race. Philippians 3 verse 14, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We're pressing on in this race for that prize. And we're doing it together but we're doing it individually as well. How do I run my race? And that's what I want to look at this morning. I've just got um, three points that I want to to bring to our attention, really. It's like, you know, when I grew up, we had the Green Cross Code. Do we have the Green Cross Code now? Nobody knows the Green... The Green Cross Code was how to cross the road. Okay, so it was on the telly and everything, but basically the Green Cross code was stop, look, listen, and cross. See, some people know it. It's a drill, stop, look, listen, cross. And for for today, I'd like to introduce a new drill, the three things that I believe that God would have us do. Look back, look forward, move on. Okay, look back, look forward, move on. And these are... Three points that God's been speaking to me about over the last couple of weeks. Um, Look back. And so in my mind, when we're looking back, and I had it all planned out, I was going to like email the church office and say, please may I have some helium balloons? Uh, Because as we look back, maybe there's a letting go. And God really spoke to me, and I think it was so significant what happened this morning. But God spoke to me about really the significance of looking back. Because I think so often we're encouraged to forget what lies behind and just to move on. And I just want to to look this morning for a time at the importance of us actually looking back. What's behind us is important. You know when um, when you're learning to drive... Well, my driving instructor did it with me, but they'll suddenly cover up the mirror, the mirror that looks behind. They'll cover it up and say, what what car's behind you? So you can't look. And it's like that little test to check, have you been checking in your mirror what's behind you? And I believe this morning that God wants us to keep a check on what's behind us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, we read... And it's the truth, it's in the word. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new has come. In the message paraphrase, it says, we get a fresh start. 
our old way of life has no hold on us at all. We've been saved. You know, even this morning, you know, strongholds, if we believe the words that came, if we believe that the Holy Spirit was present this morning, we know that strongholds came down in people's lives this morning because we get a whole fresh start. Our old way of life has no hold on us at all. We've been saved. We have nothing more to do. Our sin has been cancelled out. In in Tozer, he says, the man who is constantly reciting the evils of his unconverted days is looking in the wrong direction. He's like a man trying to run a race while looking back over his shoulder. What a Christian used to be is the least important thing about him. What he is yet to become should be his only concern. And that's so, so true. It's what we've got stepping into that's important. But still, I believe that our past has an effect on us. And so I want us to look at that a little bit. Let's, uh, if we can turn to 1 Timothy... One Timothy um, and chapter one and verse twelve. So this is Paul. I thank I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Even though, verse 13, even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy. You know, even Paul gives a quick glance back, not a fixed gaze on his past, but he gives a quick glance back to look at what he was a long and permanent look and gaze should be forward on the glory of God. But we should have a quick glance back to our past, I believe. You see, we do need to realise that the past did happen. When God redeems our past, it doesn't mean he takes it away. It doesn't mean that it's wiped out as if it never happened. What happens is, is when we turn our lives to him... With our failures and successes, all our scars of yesterday, God gives us peace with our past and leads us forward into a better future. We can't and we shouldn't ignore the hard parts of our past as if they never happened. They are part of us. We need to be honest about our past. Redeeming your past doesn't mean it changes, but when you look at it with the eyes of faith, the power of God emerges and repentance sets you on a new path. We need to let the Lord redeem our past and then we can bring our past into our future rather than complain about it. But because God who works all things for our good, your past can be of benefit to your future. Philippians 3 verse 13, we're told, Paul says, 
forget the past. And I've like, I struggle with this because I do believe that, you know, it, it is right. The past happened, but do we forget it? And I believe it's not that we remove the memories of the past, but what Paul means there is when he says forget the past, it's, it's neglect the past. Let that not be your focus, but the past happened. Don't forget it, meaning wipe it clean, never happened, it's a new start. The past happened. You used, we need to realise that God was in your past. He wasn't sleeping he wasn't, you know, just like twiddling his thumbs waiting for that day when you... He was in your past and he now designs to turn your past into something good. And we know, Romans 8 verse 28, I've already said, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Not all things from now on, but all things in the past, the good, the bad... Whatever, God is in them and he works them for good. And there are people this morning that your past has, caught, has, been, has been a painful past. There's been abusive relationships. There might, might have been alcohol problems. You might have had um, divorced parents. You might have just had a, an unhappy time. But for all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And God is good. He's good today. And he was good yesterday as well. You know, Joseph, we read the story of Joseph. And and Joseph says, you know, in Genesis 15, verse 19 to 20, you intended to harm me, but God used it for good. God can use your past for good. So we're not going to wipe it out. We're not going to pretend it didn't happen. We're going to let him redeem our past. Your past might influence your present beliefs or conduct, but it doesn't determine them. Your past can be turned to good. You know, um, I've, I've lived in Manchester all my life. I had a brief little trot around the world when I went to Congo for a few years. And, um, but I grew up in Manchester. My dad was um, uh, a vicar in, in Swinton. And, um, and my, dad, my dad was ill for most of my childhood. From when I was about four, he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And, um, and in some ways, in, in my past, part of the sadness was, was that I didn't know a strong father figure. Um, and... I wasn't, our family wasn't the archetypal family. And we, you know, I used to love the Walton, the people that watched the Waltons, but it was like, you know, there's a mum, a dad, and it was just, and that, and that wasn't the case because my dad was ill. And, um, and you know, my mum died just, just um, nine months ago. And I remember talking with my brothers how much it affected them as well. And, and, and that was, you know, for me, that was a bit of a sadness in, in my life that I didn't know my dad as a strong, a strong father. But when we came back from Congo, um, which was just over 20, 24 years ago, and we were, we were wondering where to settle, whether we settle near Day's family in Birmingham or in Manchester or, or in between, and... And the one thing that God used to bring us to Manchester was the fact that my dad was ill. And we said, let's, let's move to Manchester, let's settle in Manchester so that we can, we can help my mum with looking after my dad. And, and because God, my dad was ill, that caused us to come to Manchester, or to, I was from it, but to come back and to settle in Manchester. And I'm so grateful for that in many ways because we're living in the, the richness of that now, you know, that God turned what could have been a, a sad 
a sad thing. He turned it into good. That's what caused us to be in Manchester because that was the reason that we came back. God, a sadness, something that wasn't quite perfect in my past, God turned for good. And, and because of it, we, and we, we, we just love this city. We, we, you know, because of it, we love, we love building his kingdom in this city. Because of it, we've enjoyed a, amazing relationships. Because of it, we, we, we just love Manchester. We, we, you know, my mum died, but we, we enjoyed just such a... Our children enjoyed such a rich, a rich time with their grandmother. You know, so, so much good came out of what could have been. And, and this one I want to say to you, so much good. God can bring good out of your past. Look back and be grateful for God's grace. Your past memories can broaden your effectiveness, you know, in ministering God's in ministering to others, you know. Let's just read 2, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 to 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I believe your past can make you more effective in your ministry. A gospel-centered remembrance of your past can heighten your gratitude to God and broaden your effectiveness and deepen your repentance. What you've experienced in your past, which has no hold on you now, but that can help you as you minister to others. So let God redeem your past. Don't wipe, don't try to wipe your past away. Have a healthy regard for your past, not focusing on your past, but knowing that your past happened and your past is part of who you are now. So my first point, look back. My second point, look forward. So at the moment, there's not a lot of movement going on. Now, I don't know how much you know about football, probably a lot more than I do, although my knowledge has improved these last few months as our son has so kindly um, bought for us Sky Sports. Um, so, yeah, I know a lot more about football. And there's a lot, there's not just football goes on, they're just like, there's a lot of men just sit there pontificating about football, giving all their wisdom. Anyhow, you know and I know, perhaps, that Manchester United aren't doing as well as they possibly could do. Okay? Um, it, 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 it is a, a little bit of a sadness in our house, because... Ben, my Ben is a Manchester United fan and he does have strong feelings about the manager and um, things. <laughs> and um, yes. Anyhow, Graham Souness, a former Liverpool player, was on the TV and he was talking about his old coach. And he was saying, and, and God really just spoke to me, that's it. He was saying, his old coach would say, when you get the ball... Don't look to the sides, but always look forward. And this, if anybody is interested or wants to pass it on, is apparently where Manchester United are going wrong at the moment. Um, so they're looking to the sides, they're not looking forward. Clearly, if the job came vacant, I'm available. <laughs> 
you know, God did speak to me. Look where you're going. Don't be distracted by those around you. You see, as we look from this side to that side, we see others and we start to lose our uniqueness. We start to focus on other people rather than on us. We're journeying together. We're running this race together. But we mustn't forget that in it, we're all team players working out our individual lives you know, I said, at the start, I said at the start how significant each one of us is. Ephesians 2 verse 10, you are God's masterpiece. The Greek word is poema, you're God's work of art. He knows every hair on your head. When we, we received Jesus as our saviour, God breathed his spirit into us, making us into a new creator, create, into a new creature. You are a designer original, a one-off. God made you a one-off kind of creation who is so unique and precious that you are priceless. There is nobody here this morning like you who has been put on earth with exactly your talents, your personality, your quirks, your strengths, your weaknesses, your abilities. It's just you. You are uniquely beautiful. Say to the person next to you, I'm uniquely beautiful. <laughs> but you know, we're so tempted, aren't we, to look at others and to compare ourselves. And that's what... You know, we, we will look to the side and we will see others, but we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to others. Many people just aren't happy with who they are. They're forever comparing themselves to others, wanting to be like someone else, becoming increasingly dissatisfied with who they are. You know, I suppose we've all done it in some measure. We, we do compare. I mean, to be honest, I would love to be able to sing like you, Lisa. It's not happening, um, but I'd love to sing like, like Lisa. You know, I'd love to be able to pray like Sumbo. I'd love to be able to cook like Mary Berry. <laughs> I'd love to be able to preach like Dave. And as for looks, where do I start, you know? <laughs> uh, no. My legs have never been long enough. <laughs> But you know what a slap in the face to God when we look at another person and want to be them. When you compare yourself to the person to another person, you're saying to God, you made a mistake with me, you could have done a better job. It's not right. You are a created being and he says it is good. Do you know um you go to the outlet shops and um we got some like nice white china bowls, pudding bowls, and they're meant to be seconds. And I thought, they look just perfect. And actually, when you look at them, they're not perfectly round, and they're seconds. And they do the job, but they're not perfect. But God says this morning, 
He created you and you are uniquely perfect to complete his purpose. How crippling can it be if we're constantly looking to compare ourselves with others? I'm not going to sing like Lisa, but that's not going to stop me singing. I'm not going to pray like somebody, but that's not going to stop me praying. I'm not going to be bound up with comparison because I'm unique and I know that my Father loves me and each one of you is unique. Do you know what? I've got... Uh, we have three children. I've got two sons. My eldest son, Jonathan, and, and youngest, my youngest is Ben. When John was born, well, not when he was born, but it felt like it. Anyhow, he's been talking constantly. He seemed to start talking when he was about 18 months old, and he never stopped. Through his child, he just talked and talked and talked. He was very, very, he was small and very eloquent. People would, like, stare at him because he like, is he, you know. Um, and then Ben, Ben. Ben was born with a tongue tie. And for Ben to speak and to make himself understood was a lot, lot more difficult. And, and he would speak, but not always, uh, we couldn't always understand it as he worked through his tongue tie and, and, and with speech therapy. But do you know, do you think that I as a mother would prefer to, to listen to Ben or to John? I wanted to listen to both of them. Don't let that ever stop you praying out in a prayer meeting because you think you can't string words together in the same way as some rather eloquent leader or something. Your prayers count. Your prayers answer. Be here at these prayer meetings that we're putting on um, over the time of the 40 days of fasting because your prayer matters. Don't compare yourself with others. Comparison is deadly. It kills your ability to celebrate what God is doing in your life and what God is doing in someone else's life. You are unique and the person you either look down on or look up to is unique as well. Because that's the other thing, as we compare ourselves to others, we start to maybe judge others as well. And we shouldn't be doing that either, and we've not got time to go into that. But what I say is don't let, celebrate the other person's uniqueness and giftings, and celebrate your own uniqueness uh, as well. Don't let the killer comparison destroy this celebration. Let's honour one another's uniqueness and celebrate it. Say to the person next to you, I'm glad you're you. And now say to them, I'm glad I'm me. (laughs) Because that's it, isn't it? You're glad you're you. You're glad that they're you. And you're glad that... But that's how it should be. Because you're unique. You're wonderful. You're just God's favourite. So we've looked back. We've looked forward. Now it's time to start moving. We've established that each one of us is unique, and now it's time to move forward. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know the plans I have for you. God has plans for you, and it's time to make your mark in heaven. You know, there are many people, and we've not got time to go into it, but there are many people in the Bible, as you read through, who made their mark in heaven by doing unique things. The the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with an alabaster jar of perfume, that was her unique act that's made a mark in heaven. David so impressed God that he decided his son, the son of God, will forever be the son of David. Abraham, by his action, was considered righteous forever. 
What mark are you going to make in heaven in your uniqueness, with your unique set of circumstances, in your unique place? There's things for you to do to make your mark in heaven. And as we start to move forward, there's an increasing gathering of momentum. We need to trust God. We're under his management now. Have confidence that he has called you and has empowered you to do all that he's called you to do. There are unique things that if you do not do them, they won't get done. And that's you. Every single person here who loves God, there are unique things for you to do. Acts 2 verse 17, God's spirit is poured out on all flesh. It's poured out on you. Not just on the prayer team as they minister, on the leaders as they minister. It's poured out on you. You have the resources, you have everything you need to tap into that power. Don't read the book of Acts and feel that that's not for me. We need to show up and touch the power and see the momentum increase. As you move forward, you're going to be faced with brilliant opportunities that are disguised as unsolvable problems. They're yours for the taking. They're not the person next to you. They're yours. There are things for you. Don't let fear dictate what you're going to do. Ask God for wisdom. Don't let the fear of man, what do other... Now, be released from wondering what, what other people think about you because it's you and you're, you're looking forward, you're aiming. doesn't matter what other people think of you. You're unique. That's their problem. Start to take risks. You know, um, back in my younger days, I used to love the scary rides at Alton Towers and um, I remember going on a school trip, taking a school trip and like, you know, the kids just went off and like, we're there, like in the queue at the scary ride. It was just amazing. Now, the runaway train, just like, <laughs> I can't do that. But that was obviously, but what I noticed was, is as you did a scary ride back in those days, it, the adrenaline flowed and it was just so exciting, so exhilarating, so scary. And what did you do when you got off? You got right back at the front of the queue ready to go on again. You know, I want to say to some of you today, don't camp in yesterday's victories. That the risks that you took yesterday, don't just think about those and just reminisce about them. It's time for you to take new risks as we move forward, as we move forward as individuals and as as a church, we need to be willing to take risks. A risk in the office, a risk in the classroom, a risk in the playground, a risk on the bus. If we, don't, if we don't take a risk, who knows? And it's your unique risk to take. There are risks that only you can take. It's not a spectator sport. We want, don't want to be those on the sidelines cheering everybody else on. We're out there taking those risks. We're on the front line. We need to be determined today to step, to step into and move forward into our supernatural destiny. Your destiny is precious to God. Your destiny. He wants to make sure... You move into your destiny. So this morning, be encouraged. Enjoy being you. Don't despise being you. Remember your past. Remember what God's redeemed you from. You're uniquely you. Embrace your past and move into all that God has planned for you. Amen.